Coming up, I'm bringing hustle back, baby. The surprising benefits. And then Kroger is begging ex-employees to come back to work for them. We'll break it down from a few angles. It's going to be interesting. And I coach you up. Let's go. Helping you win at work so that you can win in life. More money, more meaning. All kinds of great benefits. And so we're going to start off with a word that's been around a long time, super popular for a while as related to you should be doing it. And now it's kind of taking on a negative connotation with uh, a lot of people, many different generations. What is the word? Hustle. Hustle. I mean, now listen, when I grew up, uh, it was the word that I think my dad yelled at me the most, and it was never from an angry <laughs> standpoint, but I played a lot of youth sports, and I just could always hear my dad's voice piercing through all of the other parents' cheers. Hustle! Hustle, hustle, hustle! You know, I, I remember saying that I played soccer a lot growing up, and I, I, I can't tell you how many times I'd be going for a ball. Maybe it was an open, kind of ball's in open space, and and me and another player from the other team were getting after it, you know, and he would, he would just hustle, hustle, hustle. You know, he's, he used to say it like that, you know. So to me, hustle has always been a positive prompt associated with win the competition. Give everything you've got. In other words, in that scenario, in challenging for the soccer ball, Maximum speed. Everything I got, go as fast as I can. And then, from an aggression standpoint, fight for that ball. Everything you got from a speed and engagement standpoint. So I want to set my definition for hustle because hustle has now taken on a negative connotation in this world, and it's usually attached to the hustle culture. And people go, quiet quitters don't like the hustle culture. They think the hustle culture is bad for them. My boss wants me to work harder than what the job requirement expects. Wants me to do more. I'm not going to work so hard that I burn out. I'm going to quite quit. I'm just going to do the bare minimum. And I'm going to take care of myself because I am special. And yet, those very same people, they want all the accoutrements, the benefits. But they don't want to do what is required to have all the benefits. People want options, but people don't want to work for them. So my definition of hustle, going forward on the show, Alex, we need to create a graphic for this. Anytime I say the word hustle, this is what I mean. Enthusiastically, Giving maximum effort and performance in your work. Let me say it again, because I'm not just trying to impress you with my definition. I want to lay this out. 
enthusiastically giving maximum effort and performance in your work. So what are the benefits of hustle? Well, there are physical benefits. Harvard Gazette in 2023 reported on research that found that men who often lifted or moved heavy objects at work, you ready for this? Had 46% higher sperm count. Ha! There's your random physical piece of data. Rest assured, we're not going down that path, but this is a physical benefit. I thought, I'm going to share that one. That's one physical benefit. All that to say that if you're a sedentary, video gaming, Netflix watching, dude who sits on your couch, you may be limiting your ability to procreate, but that may not be a bad thing given how lazy you are. Another 2021 study published in The Lancet, men who held jobs that required a fair amount of walking or more strenuous labor lived about a year longer than men at desk-bound jobs. So there are physical benefits to hard work. It doesn't always have to be physical labor, right? Giving of your best, uh, even in a white-collar job, again, has benefits because of the engagement and how mentally on fire you are, and the benefits go on and on and on. Okay, there are mental benefits to hustle. Gallup, from a February 2022 article, said that engaged employees are five times more likely to report that their job has an extremely positive impact on their mental health. Okay, that's the mental. I'm actually focused on doing good work. Dr. Karen Jacob, who's the program director at McLean Hospital, a leader in psychiatric care and research, said working has been shown to help stabilize people struggling with mental health conditions. What? We live in a day and age where mental health and anxiety is talked about all the time. It's become a badge of honor. Working has been shown to help stabilize people struggling with mental health conditions. What are we saying? This is even veterans with PTSD. I mean, this is no joke. Purpose, focus is good for us. There are relational benefits. Uh, again, Dr. Jacob, who I just quoted from McLean Hospital, uh, noted that the connections we make at work are one of the factors that contribute a feeling of stability. That's so beneficial. So belonging. Belonging. Real relationships at work. There's this growing movement of people like, I don't want to make friends at work. I don't want to see these people ever. Okay. How's that working out for you? There's professional benefits. Hard work is something that generates real results. And what happens is you get rewarded for good results. You cannot create good results without hard work. In other words, if I was going to give one one message to parents right now that are raising kids, you want your kids to do great things. This is why you're a helicopter parent or tempted to be a helicopter parent. But what if you just taught them how to do hard things? Because here's the, the truth. Your kids won't do great things until they learn to do hard things. That's the fact. And then there are obviously financial benefits to hard work. Based on the last professional benefits to hard work, 
I work hard. I work harder than everybody else. I produce more results, better results. I learn faster. I fail faster. All the things that hard work and grit and hustle really mean means I'm going to win financially. When I get promoted, I get paid more most of the time. So hustle is not a bad thing. Hustle is not an unhealthy thing. Hustle helps me. There's your sticker. Hustle helps me. Embrace it. Don't demonize it. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. You don't have to hustle. You don't even have to like the idea of hustle. But go ahead and accept complacency and mediocrity. Because there's plenty of people that are going to out-hustle you and pass you like you're a dead weight in the road. If I could come to your city and hang out with you and just answer your questions, would you want to do it? Kind of scary question to ask. Do you like me? Right? But for those of you that you feel stuck because you're confused or you're dealing with some gripping fear and doubt, uh, just need a nudge. You need an environment where you're lifted. Uh, I'm coming to Kansas City, Chicago, Atlanta, and Dallas. My first event, we're just doing a mini tour. I want to get out among the people. I'm going to be speaking, but most of the night is going to be taking your questions live right there in the crowd. Great venues. Kansas City, April 20th. Chicago, Illinois, May 16th. Atlanta, Georgia, May 18th. Dallas, Texas, May 23rd. All of the details. Tickets are really good. we got some great VIP stuff where you hang out with me before the event. Uh, go to KenColeman.com slash events, KenColeman.com slash events. I can't wait to get out there among the people. I'd love to see you there. KenColeman.com slash events. All right. So I'm a uh, Kroger customer. Full disclosure before we go into this. Full disclosure. Got a Kroger in my neighborhood. Changed my life. I love it. Love it. Never gripe about going to the grocery store, Alex. It's, it's two minutes away from my front door. Alex is, uh, you haven't been to that Kroger. Joe's seen it. It's fantastic. Well, Kroger, the largest grocery store chain in America, based on their sales numbers, they want their former employees back, and as a result, those former employees are getting some surprising texts and emails. Aggressive approach from Kroger. We'll break it down in a second, but uh, Dusty Slay, the comedian, has got a great perspective. Well, He took on this topic. Let's see what Dusty had to say. You work at Kroger and you like clean the floors and then you die. But your boss is still like, hey, man, I know you're dead. But can you just come on in, clean those floors before you go off to heaven or wherever you're going? Can you come in? I need you. We're short handed. So that's a ghost, I guess, in Dusty's warped comedian mind, which is fantastic. Yeah, well, he's not too far off because uh, 
they may end up calling somebody who unfortunately did move on because they're reaching out to former employees. Uh, <laughs> I got the wrong article. I got to get in my hand. I love that. That's hysterical. Um, okay. Tim Massa, the chief people officer at Kroger, told the Wall Street Journal that alumni are a talent source that we are looking to tap. Um, they have stayed in touch with their ex-employees, and they've seen a significant number of their employees return, uh, even pretty high up the ladder. One example is Tish Spurlock, a former recruiter at Kroger, who came back after uh, they reached out to her. Uh, she had left for a technology firm, but Kroger brought her back in a new role with a higher salary, and Tish said, come on, I'm in. Uh, the company's gotten more aggressive recently with rehiring after seeing how well it worked. What Kroger has found, and again, Leaders, careful on this. It is not a one-size-fits-all thing here. I'm just simply reporting what's going on here. Um, but what Kroger has seen is that returning workers have generally hit their targets months before new ones do. And that's not really surprising in that these alumni, if we want to call them that, uh, I mean, they know the ropes. And there is an advantage on paper to the concept of bringing somebody back. Um uh, because they don't have to ramp up. They're ready to go. Uh, so that is really, really interesting. Uh, and there's a term for this where uh, employees have sought to go back to the company they left, and that's boomerang employees. But this is a this is a new thing where we've not seen a company this large, at least been reported, that they're going after former employees and going, hey, we really want you back. But in this fight in a war for talent where we are right now in the American job economy, where there are more jobs available than there are uh, people who are unemployed, or we should put it this way, seeking employment. I mean, it's a competitive situation and not surprised to see companies do this. They got to fill positions and looks like there's some early benefits to it. All right. In the, uh, layoff side of the employment market. So we talked about a hiring story there and what's happening. Uh, GM. I don't know what they're doing here. I, I'm going to give you my opinion, but I, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, I don't know if this is smoke and mirrors, if this is publicity with these big-time public companies. It feels like it is. You be the judge. General Motors said in January it would save $2 billion without planning any layoffs. So you think, okay, well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome, right? Yeah, hey, way to go, GM. Man, that's awesome. You're, you're going to cut costs in other places. You are going to keep your people. Hey, that's great, GM. Way to go. Well, hold on. They want to save a lot of those costs through a voluntary separation program in which eligible employees would get a lump sum payment and other severance based on how long they worked at the company. The voluntary separation program will be offered to all U.S. salary employees with at least five years of service and global executives that have been with the company for at least two years. In a statement, the company said that employees are strongly encouraged to consider the program. Hey, 
We want to tell everybody we're going to save $2 billion without laying people off. I applaud you, GM. How honorable. You fine people, you. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to lay anybody off. We're just going to strongly encourage them to consider quitting. <laughs> I mean, now this is semantics. And and let's let's take this a step further. Uh, you know, the statement says we're going to strongly encourage them to consider the program. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to strongly manipulate them. A lump sum payment and other severance. I mean, look, let's just be real. A lot of people are going to go, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, do you need my bank account? How soon will that be deposited? And how soon can I leave you? I mean, let's be real. That's going to happen. So this is manipulation. And we're going to say, we're not going to lay anybody off. So this is a PR strategy. This is imaging. This isn't real. CEO Mary Barra told investors, I do want to be clear. We are not planning layoffs. We are limiting our hiring to only the most strategically important roles, and we will use attrition to help manage overall headcount. So again, we're not planning layoffs, but we're going to use attrition. Fancy word for we want some people to fall off. If you've ever had your arm or a wrist or, or leg in a cast for any amount of time, you, you know that when you take that cast off, your, your body part has atrophied. It has weakened. It has shrunk, essentially, from a lack of use. This is, again, it's all PR. It's all PR. Now, is this good business? Well, the buyouts are going to cost... GM $1.5 billion before taxes. Okay. So they're going to have to spend some money to save some money. And what they are doing is they are tightening things up. And again, that is good business. But, but again, the reason I bring this up is if I'm a leader, let's call it what it is. Let's just call it what it is. And I just think this is, again, semantics. So... There you go. More of the show coming right up. All right, folks, if you are enjoying the show, I am grateful. Number one. Number two, I would be even more grateful if you would help us grow by sharing the show. A couple ways to do it if you're watching via YouTube. Subscribe to our channel and then share a clip, uh, a full episode, or a short. And then if you're listening via your favorite podcast platform, would you follow us? Give us a follow and then share an episode uh, and leave us a a five-star review. Uh, Those things just take moments. Would you do it? Um, if If we're adding value to you, that would add value to us. Thank you so very much. Let's go to Kristen now, who joined us in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Kristen, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. 
Hi, hi, Ken. Um, hi. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I'm so glad to talk to you. What's going on? Me too. Um, well, I called you because you are the most enthusiastic and hyper person I've met about careers. So, um, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. What's up? <laughs> hyper in a good way. Okay, so I have had a lot of. I've gone to a lot of schooling, and I've I've been a teacher for 17 years. And uh, recently, I, I lost my dad, and then more recently, I lost my mother. And oh, no. um, how long ago? Been, uh, um, my dad was about ten years ago. My mom this year. Oh no! And I'm so sorry. It's just rocked my world, and in, sure. in a bad way. Oh so, sure. Um, unfortunately, the district I was working with um, didn't quite understand, you know, how close we were in grieving and all that, and. You know, I wasn't working up to exact potential with the, all the data they need nowadays, and mm-hmm. um, then I got let go. So it was right before Christmas. It was just it's oh, been rough. Gosh. <laughs> so the reason I'm calling is I have a wonderful subbing job right now, and I love it, but it's it's short term. Yeah. And I'm thinking maybe you know maybe it's a time for a career shift and. I've thought about it. What do I love to do? I love, I have kids of my own. I love to help, help kids and families and I love kids. So, but I, my, both my parents were, um, medical professionals and my mom was a nurse, um, my dad, doctor. And I thought, well, am I too old? Could I go back to school to be a, like a pediatric nurse? Um, I'm 47. I, um, well, first of all, (laughs) let's address that. You're not too old. Okay. Okay, so that goes off the list. No more excuses on that. Keep going. Um, well, you know, I have two kids. I I do have a husband, but we're we we need a we need two incomes in our How much household. money? Yeah, how much money do you need to make? At least what a teacher makes. <laughs> well, uh, but I mean that could that's a wide range throughout the country. What were you making before? About 50-60. Okay. Well, here's the reality. Okay, if you're going to be a pediatric nurse, um, there's time and money that you're going to have to spend, and so right. you got to look at your family life, the rhythms that you guys have. What could you change? Are you willing to change those? Are those going to have a really negative impact that everybody's going to have to kind of agree and come together and go? We're going to make the best of it because it's a short term for mom to go do this thing and wife to do this thing. Um, and that's the time piece. The money piece is what must be true. What's it going to take to come up with the money to cash flow or save it all up, you know, to go to cash it as you go or, or to save it up and then do it. And so the, there's sacrifices attached to that too. And it's also pushes the timeline back because for people who go, you know, take a student loan for that, which we don't want you to do. So no. you start there and you start okay. looking at how realistic that is. And I think that's a worthy exercise, and I'll tell you why. Because when you do what I just said as far as looking at the time and the money that you will have to spend to become a pediatric nurse, it's going to really confirm whether or not you really, really want to be a pediatric nurse versus you're interested in a pediatric nurse lane because you love kids. And I don't think loving kids is enough Mm -hmm. because I'm going to suggest something that I want you to agree or disagree with. 
I think you love instructing and the people you most have enjoyed or thought that you most enjoyed instructing or guiding, use whatever word you want to use, are kids. Is that true or false? That That's true. That's true. Okay, so you were in a public school full-time teaching job. You go through an unspeakable loss, and it had a lot of effects on you. One being you didn't meet their standards. Mm-hmm. You said that yourself. But you also, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you met their standards prior to the unbearable loss. Yes or no? For 17 years, I did, yes. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So we can meet those standards again. The question is, do we want to meet those standards? Is there a better environment? And I think that's the question I want you to consider. You know, because you just said with a lot of bubbliness that you're really enjoying the sub job, but it's just not creating enough money. No, yeah, that's the problem. And there's no benefits and things like that. All right. So the question is, where else can you instruct people and make 50 to $60,000? That's the question. Notice Um, I left that wide open. I said instruct (laughs) people. You love instruction. I think so, but I feel like being a nurse, you're still instructing them on healthcare and yeah, sure, um, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I like where you're going. So here's the deal: yeah. I'm not trying to talk you out of being a nurse. What I'm trying to get you to focus on is what do you love most about teaching. In fact, let's just let's get it out there. Give me the top three tasks, or you can call it a role that a teacher plays. That you go, these are my top three, Ken. This is what I enjoy the most. Give that to me in your words. Um, just watching watching the children grow and learn and the smiles on their faces and um, connecting with them and, you know, helping them out. Whether okay. that be with reading or as a nurse, maybe I would help them with great. learning about health care. Great. great, 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 great. I'm, I'm all for it. But I want you to be right. able to see it to where you yeah. go, oh. Because what we don't want to do is sign up for the sacrifices you're going to have to make. Yeah. Because keep in mind, you told me you needed two incomes. So that means you're going to have to go get a full-time job. I have, I have, um, I have about 25 and like 25,000 in the bank. How much savings. is it going to cost to go through the pediatric nursing program? At the technical college, I'm assuming maybe about 15,000. So Great. It wouldn't, Fantastic. All right. right, So here's the good news. We have the cash for that. I'm assuming that's not from your emergency fund. That's just extra money, right? Uh, well, well, your pediatric nursing program (laughs) is not an emergency, Kristen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You're right. You got me on that one, but my emergency fund would, would three to six months. Yeah. With, I'd have to figure that out. It's my point. It's my point. Go make the money, sell some stuff. Bust it. Go get yourself a full-time yep. job. But here's here's the point. Long-term, I want to make sure that you are using what you do best to do work you enjoy that allows you to produce results that you care deeply about. And so right. I want you to do one other homework assignment. Okay? Okay. I want you to reach out to at least two pediatric nurses in your area. Whether you know them personally or not, you know somebody who knows one, or you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, right? And so let's do some right. coffee or lunch or dinner or a Zoom. I don't care, and I want you to interview them. 
Okay. What do they love most about it? What do they like the least? What lifts them? What drains them? What's the, you know, okay. what's the growth opportunity? What's the fight? Everything, like you're doing a term paper on their career, right? right? And that's another, there's more growth opportunities in healthcare than there is teaching. Teaching are kind of Great. Stuck. But again, I don't want you making a decision based on financial opportunity alone, because if, if for some reason you were to leave this, this, this role of teaching and instructing and you slide over to caretaking, um, and it's just for the financial opportunities. I'm telling you, that's going to wear on you over time. I promise you. Okay. So just hey, you're you, you know what I say about this. I gave you the construct. I I like you pursuing it, but let's have those conversations. That's what I call clarifying and verifying. I I get knowledge, and then my heart. So my brain collects, and my heart accepts or rejects. This is the okay. Ken Coleman Show. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.